welcome to Poop Sandwich, the new Zoom show. Zoom presents Poop Sandwich. My name is Timmy Doom. Why do I call the show Poop Sandwich? Because I'm broke. I don't buy new comics on com- Comicology. I don't buy new comics at the comic book store. I don't know how to use Torrent to get new comics. And I, I'm sad about that because I need to get technologically uh you know, more savvy, but that's sad. After all these years, I still don't know how to do that. So what I do, I go to the comic book store, get the four in a four in a bag comic, you know, a comic book bag, a regular comic book bag that a single comic usually goes in, uh, what they call Mylar or whatever. They put four comics in one of those bags, sell it for a dollar. They package it so that it's, you know, the only way you can package it, two comics on the outsides, you can see what those two comics are. You can't see what's inside, uh, what two comics are inside, and it's usually crap comics. That's why I'm calling this Poop Sandwich, because it's a sandwich uh, with crap in the middle, usually. Uh, usually they have those comics that are have been in the 25 cent cheap bins for years that are oversaturated that you probably already read a couple of times or <clears throat> never read but you've seen them a bunch of times and you would never want to read them so what do I have this week my poop sandwich consists of well, at least the two breads on the outside the thing that attracted me the, the, kind of, the reason I bought this sandwich Action Comics uh, number 12 from New 52, and I always a sucker for New 52. Grant Morrison, Rag Morales, can't go wrong with that. On the other side of the poop sandwich, Captain America number 17 from 2012, and I assume this is before, yeah, this is right before the uh, Marvel Now reboot, and that's a, <laughs> that's sad because Captain America. They already rebooted that series in, I think it was 2005 or 2006, something like that. And, uh, yeah, that's only a few years ago. But this here is obviously rebooted again in, like, 2011 or 2010 because it's issue number 17 in 2012. So that, god damn, and now there's a new Captain America. This is This series is obsolete. Like this issue of Captain America, obsolete. What the hell? Okay, <laughs> on the covers, I see, uh, well, I, I'll explain the covers later. But, yeah, Rue Baker, a new Captain America comic. All right. I'm going to buy that. And you know why? Because every for some reason I have this fascination. I want to get into Captain America written by Rue Baker or, you know, anybody. I, it's a new Captain America. This is a new Captain America comic. Came out around the time of the Avengers movie, you know, I want to get into that stuff. You know, I, I like the c- character of Cap. Brubaker is supposed to be the greatest Cap writer ever. Um, and I had several issues of his Captain America from 2006, 2005, 2006, and I didn't read them. I didn't read most of them, or maybe I did read them. The ones that I did read, um, they're forgettable to me. So... I, I don't know why this comic book's written by Brubaker or Captain America written by him is attractive to me because everyone I've read I haven't been I haven't been into at all. Okay, they're 
just bland to me and I, his stories I always forget them except for the story that he wrote about Nomad being killed that was just sad uh, <laughs> just sad and not in a sad way where like hey, this is profound no it's just sad so I don't know why I have a fascination while I'm chasing this rainbow with Brubaker but the cover on this Captain America looks mighty mighty sweet it's got Baron Zemo fighting Sharon Carter on a space station above the earth uh, and you see the earth in the background is very well done so and then the other comic uh, that I always chase around but to with a little bit better results because I love this writer is Action Comics that from the New 52 Action Comics number 12 on the cover is Superman it's very bland drawn Superman cover he's you know he's flying across the cover and you could see two scenes one of his rocket ship leaving Krypton as it blows up and another one with him floating over a metropolis in the ship in the Krypton picture is uh, his old school baby ship like it looks like the one from the 30s that they that, that Superman came to earth in when he was a baby they went old school so uh before I start the show <laughs> I came to epiphany an epiphany I was listening to a uh, a podcast with a comedian two comedians the com- one comedian is the host he was um I might as well say it because you know it's out there Greg Fitzsimmons show and he was interviewing a, a comic Bobby Bobby Lee who used to be on Mad TV and uh yeah Bobby Lee talked about going to Bangkok uh, I guess he did it for a movie or something he was working on a set a movie a cheap movie over in there <laughs> somewhere in Thailand I think it was Bangkok and uh he said he didn't have sex with anybody in Bangkok but he was talking about going to a sex club he was talking about you know his his sex club ex- escapades he went to a sex club and uh he he got a girl there and he, you know, he claimed he went with some people, so they were showing him, you know, showing him around. But you know, he wanted to go get some pussy, or not pussy, because he claims he didn't have sex with anybody in Bangkok. Uh, but he got a girl there at a club, and these girls, they're you know, they're sex workers, and she told him to get down, face down, on this cot in a room, um, like you know, a massage table or a cot. She said, go down, go to that table, get face down. Now, uh, (laughs) that sounds very bad, get face down. uh, He claims it was very good because what she did was uh, lick his bunghole while he laid there. She she licked his uh, poopy hole. Hey, that goes with the theme, poop sandwich. There you go. She had a poop sandwich between his ass cheeks. Uh, He claims man that is nasty anyway he says you know he liked it a lot so he went back every night he was in Bangkok I don't know how long he was there a few weeks a month he said every night $90 a night he would pay for that what they call juk juk which is <laughs> some kind of and that's I imagine that's the sound your tongue will make when you hit somebody's that shit in somebody's ass. But anyway, she, he, 
did it every night, and she he said they did it for 15 minutes on the dot. He said, and he made a joke about how as soon as that 15 minutes was up, he'd look at the clock and bam, she would be done. She would, they would do it for exactly 15 minutes. Yeah, and the reason that why that is, Bobby, is because um, she's licking your ass. If you're paying her money, they're gonna get a set time, and if this if they if they set the time for 15 minutes, then uh, they don't want their tongue in your ass any longer than 15 minutes. My point to the story, I came to the conclusion that prostitution is victimization of women. And uh, this these feminists came up with this list of all the things that make you a rapist. Uh, one of them, well, first of all, I dismissed everything. I only know the list because uh, for entertainment, I was watching this video by Amazing Atheist. And he went down <laughs> and talked about the... Um, you know, this list of what makes you a sexist or a rapist. Well, actually, rape. Condoning. One of the things that make you a rapist or condoning of rape is if you seek prostitution. And, of course, like everybody else, I'm like, man, what the fuck? Prostitution should be legal. And fuck you, bitch. I don't listen to anything feminists have to say when it comes to political correctness. I just go with the usual line. Everything that far left feminists say, you disregard. But now, for this one, this prostitution as rape, yeah, uh, I might have to put that on my list as that is a sexual violation. Because obviously, those women in Bangkok don't have an income. Um, This is the most money, the way they're going to make money there. And you're using your financial situation to have them lick your butthole okay that's disgusting that's the one of the worst things you could do no one wants to do that but if they're doing it for money then that is a kind of a victimization it's like well you the one who got to deal with whatever i got and somebody else may have a disease uh, you know and they're asking whether you have a disease or not you don't well no one wants you're not supposed to have feces in your mouth okay but they feel so pressured to they, they don't do it because they like it. But the way Bobby Lee, the way anybody talks about it, it's like, hey, that's their job. They must be okay with it. And it's like, no, you got to have a mind about you to say, no, they don't have, they don't uh, like that shit. <clears throat> but no, he just talked about it as if hey, they did their job. And he was, you know, in total indifference. Of course, there's indifference. He went many nights and paid $90 a night for somebody to lick his ass crack which that's sad to fuck that that is sad prostitution uh, maybe sexual assault let me put that on my list I have to confirm it but that's the official doom uh, verdict okay I, I assume y'all to get in the line with it <laughs> uh, no no one who listens to this show goes to a prostitute anyway back to the poop sandwich First uh, issue I read, Action Comics number 12. was uh, Grant, dang, you know what? Because I did this episode before and I think I lost my notes. Oh, here it is. All right, here it is. Here it is. Uh, first of all, oh, I want to tell you, I will not research anything on these comics. I'm just, when you buy a comic in the store, you're supposed to be able to read it and enjoy it. Now, usually I don't buy comics that say uh, part three out of 12 
of this storyline. Part six of seven. No, I don't. But for this, you know, in the poop sandwich, you don't know what you're going to get. So you're going to have to, I might have to read those stories. I should be able to enjoy and follow the story for itself. If it's not, I'm docking points for it. Oh, grade system, the poop sandwich. Okay. There's the delectable bread on the outside. I'll grade that as, you know, as I see fit. Uh, like wheat bread is the best. Pump rye pumpernickel maybe lower lower you know what no I I do it by generic bread or <laughs> or you know stale bread or very fresh good bread that would be the score for the outside the inside I don't know what's inside there it could be a nice piece of steak it could be cheese which is cheesy goodness but it's still cheese and or lettuce kind of you know roughage that's good for you but you know it's just good for you it's not very tasty you need something else with it it could be seasoning it could be poop straight shit <sighs> i'll grade accordingly this first one is a nice piece of uh bread yeah a nice piece of bread nice piece of wheat bread it's not generic because it's written by grant morrison action comics Let's see here. You get a little bit of uh, a little bit of flashback. You get a whole flashback. You get flashback to at the beginning from Superman's uh, childhood. Well, actually, from him leaving Smallville up until the up until what um, transpired before this issue, which I did read the issue previous to this. I didn't think I did. Is issue number eleven? But I forgot I read it. I guess that tells you much how much how good the story is, but it's basically about this um this girl who is wait it's Lois Lane's niece. She's like a gifted girl with these powers, these mental powers, and she's a powerful girl entity. She's like a phoenix, Jean Grey phoenix, or she's a potential to be that. But she actually she has her, a lot of her powers. The nemesis, the antagonist is this arrogant smarmy motherfucking uh creature we thought that he's an alien but he's like superman he's more powerful than superman he has the girl's powers except he's older so he's very powerful and turns out that both he and the girl are these higher evolutionary life forms that these alien beings who are watching earth they want to collect them he already works for them uh and he, in the last issue, he was just basically beat Superman's ass. Uh, damn near killed Lois Lane. Okay, she's dying in this epi- epi- in this issue. He threw her on a car, uh, <laughs> on the hood of a car. She smashed through the window. And she's like, she can't move. She's bleeding internally. And he's trying to take the girl. And that's where this issue... Uh, comes you know that that's where it starts off at uh what i say about this issue oh basically the issue is superman getting his ass handed to him by by this alien and the only reason that he doesn't you know totally get his ass whipped and the girl doesn't leave with the alien is because uh the alien was stupid enough to almost kill lois lane which is her aunt 
So she's like, fuck you, alien. <laughs> she was going to leave with the alien, but she's like, fuck you. And, and she don't give a fuck about Superman. She cares about her aunt. So she, if it wasn't for the girl turning her powers on this uh, arrogant asshole, I forgot his name. I don't even know if they ever said his name. Uh, and the aliens, she's even fighting back the aliens. You know, th- then all would have been lost if it wasn't for the girl. Superman was getting his ass whipped. At the end, though, he does uh, come back, Superman, and he defeats the bad guy, uh, but only with the help of that little girl. Okay, <laughs> And uh, it's kind of cool how he defeats him because the guy has a mask on the whole time. He's very mysterious, but he unveils his origin, which is he was born on a farm in Smallville. I hate this type, type of shit. And it, this is why this reminds me of the TV show. Remember Smallville, the TV show, the first season of Smallville? On the CW network. Yeah, I think it was started out on the WB. Anyway. The show was. It started out every episode in the first season or two. Was a freak of the week. Where somebody who was affected by. Um, these The alien rocks from Krypton. Or whatever, whatever it is. That when. Kal-El's rocket ship crashed to Earth as an infant, as a child. It brought with him some kind of <laughs> some kind of pieces of uh, Krypton, ro- Krypton, and rocks, space rocks that fell all over the city, and it infected a bunch of people who lived there at the time he was a baby. And other kids his age, they grew up. Some of them with powers, uh, or in or. or when he happened to come of age, the the powers manifest in people and they became creatures like X-Files every week that he would have to fight these. That was so fucking stupid. And that's what this reminds me of. This guy here, um, when he was born, he happened to be born just as the time as Kal-El's rocket ship flew over his house and then crashed into a field. And later on, uh, the Kents found Superman. But as this boy was being born... You know, he exhibited powers. Now they don't. I don't know if it's because of his rock, his rocket ship, if the, it has something to do with it, which is stupid, or if he, the kid was just born, you know, with his powers. Either way, uh, he's an arrogant ass, and it doesn't make that coincidence bullshit sucks. You know, basically, oh, it just happens to be. I'm like, well, Grant, why you go there? Why'd you go there? Uh, but. Uh, so he defeats the monster and the god damn the art in this you know what what makes all these stories because I read issues one through four of this run of action comics and you could tell the Grant Morrison here he's just on autopilot with these stories okay I mean there's still some Grant Morris Morrison goodness in there but it's not going to be nowhere near any any of his great works even today he has he has very good stuff like his batman stuff is good but he ain't trying with superman or with action comics rag morales art makes up for the la- what uh whatever he lacks whatever morrison lacks in storytelling uh let's see here uh at the end though after the alien was defeated lois lane is taken to the hospital of course the doctor says oh she's going to die she's bleeding internally but we can't get um, the operation that we have to perform would take hours, you know, to to get in there. And by that time, she's going to bleed out and die. 
And so the so Superman, at the speed of light, goes to the library, reads every medical journal, every book, so he knows all there is to know about surgery, being a doctor, in five minutes, comes back and uh, uses his his thumb as a scalpel and performs surgery on her. That is Silver Age shit right there. <laughs> and it, it's this thing got a dichotomy. First of all, he's not powerful enough to defeat this alien, the alien and the, uh, the guy with the, you know, the whatever, the mental power guy. He's not, it, it shows you a hey, Superman is fallible. He's weak. He's not the strongest guy in the universe. He's getting his ass handed to him. He has to overcome, you know, and he, he even needs help from this girl. Uh, but that's a modern take on him. And it's like, damn, wow. It's like, you know, okay, that's not the Superman of that we all know from like this from the sixties or I say the the late fifties till today. He he's Superman who could do anything. He's super powerful. Nobody's tougher. They depowered him a little bit. But then with the at the end with the thing going to the library and learning <laughs> to be a doctor in five minutes, that's silver age stuff. So so it shows you oh no, he's still Superman, he's still a bad motherfucker. Uh, and the little girl who has the powers, uh, and the aliens want her because she's this powerful creature. That reminds me of that storyline right there. <laughs> reminds me, I gotta watch the movie The Visitor from 1978 because I heard it's ultra cheesy. And basically, that's the story of The Visitor, except there's no Superman in it. It's just a girl that the that the this alien presence wants because she has the powers, you know. She's like the next step in the evolution of mankind, and the aliens want to recruit her, just like this story. And that's the visitor, and uh, I've been playing the theme song of that for the theme song of Doom. That's the new Doom theme song. Anyway, back to this. Yeah, I give this thing. It's a. It's a. Yeah, it's a nice, non-generic wheat bread. Very good piece of bread. Uh, the next one, what was the next one? The Curse of oh, this comic, this motherfucking comic, is number twenty-eight of The Curse of Spawn from nineteen ninety-nine. Uh, on the cover, it's got. <laughs> first, I hate this cover. It's just so generically, whatever. Okay, it's got. Uh, it's okay. Curse of Spawn is called Return of Suture Part Two. That's a turnoff right there. Part Two of a story. What the fuck? And you see Suture's face, or you see part of her face. She's the character in there. Uh, you just see her eye, and she's hiding behind a blade that she's holding up. A bloody blade, which is too much gore. Okay, it's just too much. In the, it's a jagged blade with all kinds of blood on it. And we can see uh, the reflection of a man screaming. Uh, and behind the blade, like I said, is Suture, her face. But you can only see her eye one of her eyes and her face is kind of scarred up pockmark it looks like concrete that's what where it, <laughs> it just looks like a ch dried up chipped away skin with lots of uh stitches in her in her face i got a damn did i get rid of this okay the the, the curse of spawn is just like something like dc presents 
is today or how Marvel Comics presents was, which is basically a story. No, it's more like DC presents the the new DC presents where they have two issues of one character and you know that story is wrapped up in two or three issues then the next story they move to another character and they do two or three issues on that character that's what this comic is characters from the spawn universe uh, in image or the spawn stories in at image comics and one of the characters i guess is this woman suture who i never heard of before but uh i said i wasn't going to cheat i wasn't going to do research but i had to cheat for this one uh because I was like, who is this bitch, Gretchen, or um, who is Suture? And her t- turns out her name is Gretchen Culver. Let me read to you her her origin, let's say. Gretchen Culver was critically injured in a traffic accident while she was fleeing from John Mobley, a serial killer. She regains consciousness you know, after the accident. She's knocked out, but she regains consciousness while being raped by police and ambulance attendants where she's beaten unconscious again then when she wakes up they deliver her to another serial killer to be disposed of uh there she is violently murdered by the serial killer she's then found and is stitched back to life and imbued with special powers by a mysterious gypsy woman now living amongst her new family in the gypsy community, Gretchen becomes suture and goes after serial killers and her rapist. Her methods, however, are as brutal as those of her own murderers as she tears up the victims and sews their bodies back up. Uh, her origin is basically uh, everything in the woman in refrigerator website. You know, the woman in refrigerator site that... Gail Simone put together back in I think it was the 90s and if you go to that site that woman refrigerator website yeah that website looks like it was made in the early 90s fuck that that thing looks like it was made in 1984 before the internet that's how old that thing looks but there they have a list of female female heroes or characters in comic books who were killed or maimed or depowered you know, and humiliated in comics. And it looks like for Suture's origin, somebody went through, read all of those uh, <laughs> those methods of depowering and murder, and they applied it all to Suture's origin. Yeah, they really fucked up this character. It hurt. I feel shades of uh, I Spit on Your Grave. Remember that movie, I Spit on Your Grave? Yeah, that's what if her origin feels like. I assume she went back and got the guys who got her. I don't know. But what the fuck, though? Okay. First of all, that's bad storytelling right there. I mean, I just read it on a list of... I read this list. How to tell, you know, a bad story. These are bad storytelling elements. One of them was when somebody knocks you the fuck out. And that's how they transition from one scene to the other. By knocking a character out and the character wakes up. And basically the writer said, yo, man, if somebody knocks you out cold and you're knocked out, I mean, hits you hard enough that you're knocked out for uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, long enough for them to transport you somewhere else and you wake up there, uh, you probably have a concussion. You can die. 
but nobody in any of these TV shows, movies, books, uh, they have no problems whatsoever. I mean, they might have a concussion, but they they do it later. You know, we go to the hospital like hours after the whole adventure is over. But by that time in real life, you'll be dead. Okay. <laughs> they don't even go to the hospital usually in these stories. They just get knocked out, wake up at the bad guy's lair, got to fight their way out. But it's like, uh, you, yeah, they knocked you out cold. You probably would be bleeding. Your brain would be bleeding, hemorrhaging, or you would have a concussion. What's wrong with you? That's bad storytelling. That's what they do to her and her origin. So I'm going to skip her origin, but that's damn. <laughs> Damn, writer. I think they, I think, because this was made in 1999, this comic book. They probably did read the refriger, woman in refrigerator uh, tropes and probably said, either fuck Gail Simone and them, we're going to really show them and be really sexist because we're image. Or they was like, um, they were like, uh, you know what? We are going to give her all the women in fridge tropes, but we're going to empower her by making her suture and she's going to come back and get revenge. Uh, yeah, that's I don't think that works in the, you know, pro pro woman handbook either. You know, just by having revenge doesn't make you a badass. But this story is a two part story. It, it opens up, and you could tell it's 1999 because it opens up like the opening of uh, like the movie Underworld where Kate Beckinsale's character is, she's on top of a roof or a top, high atop a gothic looking building looking over a dark city brooding, you know, or Batman or Spider-Man, any of them. That's what Suture is doing here. That's how it opens. A classic brooding uh, emo comic book. She's all pissed off about who she is and it's basically boring. Um, you know, boring exposition, but it's not expositing anything. Okay, there's an image when she's brooding about the two, the three cops who raped her. Like it's a gruesome image of them, but it doesn't tell you what happened to her. So I have no idea what all this is about. If it wasn't for reading the origin, I wouldn't know. You know, I read the origin after I read this comic book, and it's like that didn't tell you. It was boring. It's totally boring. All her scenes where she's thinking to herself about herself is fucking boring but luckily they get to a story uh and the story is basically about this guy uh dr ian sanders and he's uh he has a great house i mean like he has like a mansion or a big ass house a beautiful wife this is my beautiful wife this ain't my beautiful house he's a doctor <laughs> no he's got multiple degrees in psych psychiatry and psychotherapy from johns hopkins in columbia and he has a national radio call-in show and uh basically he's fraser crane but at nighttime, when it's <laughs> time to you know for him to go home he usually stops off he stops off at this storage uh, <laughs> facility Think, I think you know where I'm going with this. And come to find out, he's a not only is he a serial killer, okay, because we see him driving home, talk to his wife on the cell phone. He's like, okay, cool. He's like a cool dude. And But you know this ain't going to end up good when he gets to the storage facility. And in the storage facility are jars, lots and lots of jars with heads in them. Okay, he... He's a serial killer who beheads his victims and takes the heads back to his storage. And not only is he a serial killer, he's a cross-dressing serial killer. And he's wearing some kind of negligee 
I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, so he basically he's Fraser Crane in the daytime and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lamb at night. Uh, of course, he's found by Suture. Too bad she couldn't find him before he killed all them goddamn people. But why does she want him? Yeah, she's gonna read. I'm like, okay, this is a quick comic. It's the beginning of the comic. She done found the serial killer already. She's got a knife, and he's no match for her. Okay, she he, she she knocks him the fuck out. She and bad storytelling 101 knocks him out, and he wakes up in her lair. Okay, of course, there's no concussion, there's no problem, because he ends up staying with her for the next 24 hours, and he's fine. I mean, he's, you know, he's physically fine. He doesn't pass out or anything from her hitting him so hard that he was, he was not unconscious. Why did he, she bring him to her there to kill him? No. She's fucked in the head. She's sad. She's pissed off. Um. But she knows that he's a serial killer and he's like one of the, but he's also one of the best psychiatrists in the country. So she wants him to uh, fix her. And she, she, she wants some free psychotherapy. Okay. But he doesn't want to do it. But of course, she's going to kill him or, you know, and all she's, she's going to tell the cops, you know, she, everybody's going to know he's a serial killer. So she makes a deal with him. For some free psychotherapy, and, and <laughs> of course he tries to kill her, and uh, but she overcomes him because he's got on high heels, okay, dressed like a woman, <laughs> and she's better, and she doesn't have high heels, and so she beats his ass, and I mean this dude's free psychotherapy dude instead of putting her through all this trouble. The point is, what he talks to her first, he says, "Wait a minute, you." You probably got a whole bunch of deep-seated issues, okay? And you want me to take care of this in 24 hours? And, of course, she threatens to kill him again, so he just does it. And it's like, dude, you should have just done it from the from the start and just tell her some bullshit, which is basically <laughs> uh, what he does. He tells her bullshit. He, she, she tells him her whole story, and he says, um, basically, she's lives her life for other people. You know, before she became Suture, she lived her life for her parents. Her parents are these rich, I guess, aristocratic people. And they wanted her to marry into a good family to make them more powerful. I'm like, what is this? The, you know, the Camelot, this is not Game of Thrones. Okay, that's not how it works nowadays in America. You, 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 you know, you marry her more powerful family and that makes our family more powerful. Anyway, uh... She finds out that she's really happy now, he tells her, because it's like, uh, yeah, you're you're happy now because you were living for other people, but now you're suture. You're your own woman, and basically that's it. He tells her, you were reborn a symbol. You died because you were too much like all of us. Now you've come back, maybe to show us the truth. And she's all like... <laughs> And now she's got a new, renewed sense of purpose. And in exchange, she lets him go. Because she, she just says, don't kill nobody anymore or I'm going to come after you. Really? Really? But what would you expect from the Spawn universe, the makers of Spawn and people who write those comic books? Spawn never helped anybody. Him damn self. Okay. So why would you expect Suture to do it? She, she, gonna let, a, she let a serial killer free. 
and those of y'all who enjoyed the story, let me recommend <laughs> some more um, morality plays that you might enjoy. Go to Chick.com and there's the works of Jack T. Chick, Christian comic book creator. Okay, so you might particularly like a, a tract of his called Lisa. Okay, if you're into this redemption thing. So now he's redeemed because he gave her 24 hours of free psychotherapy. Damn. He, he he killed scores of people. He has dozens of heads in his storage facility. And she lets him go. So he goes back, uh, gets his car, drives home, only, <laughs> only to find, oh, his wife, his beautiful wife greets him at the door. And so do, like, uh, three police officers with guns. And she says, when you didn't come home, I called the police. They found your car at the... You store it storage in Brooklyn, and so they found his car there. So they found his head. I, I guess he finally found his heads, his collection of heads, at the storage facility that his car was parked in front of. And uh, his wife says, "Tell him you didn't do it. Tell him." And hey, he does common sense in the story. He says, uh, "No, I was, you know, I was kidnapped by this killer." He brought me there, tried to kill me, but I escaped. Uh, I, I escaped, and I, I'm back. No, actually, he doesn't. The writer of this story doesn't have any goddamn sense. He crumples to his knees, and he says, Oh, God, forgive me. Go. He says, go kill more. God, forgive me. I don't know why he says go kill more, but he incriminates himself even more, and the cops, you know, basically, he's he's busted. So at least the story ends with some common sense. The cop, the cops got a hold of him. But Suture <laughs> sucks. Basically, she she's a sucky, quote unquote, hero. But you know what? This thing, when somebody commits to being so, telling such an awful morality tale, okay, in a nonsensical way. And you know what that means? This means, in this storyline, when she let the serial killer go. He went back to storage unit, got his car, got his clothes, put his clothes back on, got in the storage unit. I mean, got in his car and drove back home. Even though the cops, <laughs> the cops must have said, okay, we're going to leave it alone and we're just going to wait for him at his house. Really? Is that how police work works? Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I give this, this is a nice bit of cheese in the sandwich. It wasn't a shit patty. It damn sure wasn't a steak. Uh, but it was a nice bit of cheese that I can make fun of. Okay, what's the other comic? Which um, I recorded this episode before, and I was so mad at the comic that I'm about to read that I um, I ripped it to shreds. So uh, <laughs> I I, I got to tell you what I remember from it. Uh, actually, it's not very memorable. Fuck this comic. It's called the Divine Rights. I ripped up the comic so I don't have the title altogether now. But it's called, I think it's Divine Right, The Adventures of Max Faraday or something like that. It was, it's from Wildstorm Wild Comic Books. It's drawn by Jim Lee and written by, I forgot who it was written by, somebody on Jeff Loeb's level, some asshole writer. Oh, Scott Lobdell. Fuck Scott Lobdell. Okay, I don't like nothing he writes. And fuck his, his run on X-Men too, motherfucker. Asshole. Okay, so uh, I saw him speak at a convention a few years ago. He was just so annoying and douchey. Anyway, he... he Fuck this guy. 
this comic book, let's see here. I wrote down some notes here. It says, uh, the art is halfway decent, but I don't really care about Jim Lee's art. Jim Lee is a good artist, but his style was too reminiscent of the image days of the 90s. Uh, like Liefeld and Michael Turner. I see some of their, you know, some of their styles in his. Now, he is head and shoulders above them. He's a, I have to acknowledge the man's a great artist, but I don't like his work because I don't like that sheen that I see to his work that reminds me too much of 90s work. Now, there's other people who used to draw in the 90s, like Mike Diodato and uh, this other guy whose name I forgot. He's the guy who did uh, the Marine Man comic books. Those guys have their own style. But in the 90s, they cribbed Rob Liefeld and... Uh, <laughs> and Jim Lee style in the night when they were working for like image comics or, or, or trying to draw comics that look like image comics. But what happened? They came into their own. So we know now that, uh, whoever that guy is who did Marine man comic and, uh, Mike Diodato and so many others, they have their own style. Okay, now in the 2000s, they have their own style. It's unique. It doesn't look like anything from the 90s. It's just the good good comic book art. But Jim Lee, even though he's supposed to be at the top of the game, he is actually, he probably is the one who set the standard. One of the, you know, him and Liefeld did it together. Liefeld sucks so bad. It just hurts my eyes to look at his art. Michael Turner's art sucked. And this guy, and still sucks, because his art is still around. But <clears throat> Jim Lee, he's a good artist. I like some of the character designs in this comic book, but uh, mm, I, I'm, he doesn't. He doesn't. If I never bought another one of his comics, I'd be okay. If he never drew another comic, I'd be okay because I'm not. I don't buy his shit, or I won't. I don't read his stuff either. Story so generic. This is issue twelve, the last issue. And uh, it wasn't meant to be a miniseries, I don't think, but it, the way it ends is like it was a 12-issue miniseries. I can't believe it. You know, the pro only reason this comic probably lasted this long is because Jim Lee works on it, and it's Wildstorm. It's his baby. It, this is from the year 2000. So that's probably the only reason they got a year, or else if they, if they were at any of the big two, they would have got four issues and been canceled, or six issues at the most been canceled. From what I can gather, it's this guy, Max Faraday, he's got the power of a god, god-like powers. Um, and he goes to his head and he wants to destroy the earth. Or he, he wants everybody to bow to his feet and he wants to do something to him. Destroy us or make us, subjugate us. Either one of those. But a band of, ragtag band of heroes, which I think most of them are, uh, or maybe even all of them are Wildstorm characters. Like the usual Wildstorm characters, but I don't, I'm not familiar with Wildstorm or Image that much. The only one I recognize, I think, is Grifter. It's either Grifter or somebody who looks like Grifter. And they're all, you know, it's a, these people whose power set isn't anywhere near Max Faraday. Max Faraday is basically Phoenix. That's what this shit is. Okay? And in it, he's, he wants to kill everybody, and it's a bunch of bullshit. He's... <sighs> It's just he uses his powers to send people to different times. They come back and they are, they defeat him with the power of love. Because his girlfriend, 
and I could tell this from already, he, Max Day, Faraday, <clears throat> even though I didn't do any research on this, he was a regular guy. Somehow he got some powers. He probably helped some good guys along the way. Then he did an Anakin Skywalker and, or slash Phoenix and started to lose his mind and wanted to destroy everybody. In this comic, in his girlfriend, who is part of the team who is going against him, she's got some magical sword that she wants to kill him with. If she gets close enough to him, and he, he reverts back to his normal self, um, but she can't kill him. So he takes the sword, and he impels himself and kill and dies and saves himself, saves the earth before he goes back and becomes this phoenix again <laughs> before he becomes phoenix again he kills himself this is the last issue of uh the last part of the phoenix storyline the first phoenix storyline in x-men that's what this is a total ripoff except way more bland fuck this comic book that's why i ripped it up last time uh next i don't even want to i don't i don't even want to think about it i'm a good move that's a that's a shit that's a piece of turd. Oh, let me give you the end. Not only did they rip off Phoenix, but the epilogue of the story, or whatever you call it, where the very end, the, the you know, the end chapter that, you know, seal off the whole epic 12 issues. It's his girlfriend is sitting at the headquarters looking at his picture on the internet. Now, she's some kind of shield agent type motherfucker like Sharon Carter. She's a bad bitch. But yet, this is her boyfriend, Max Faraday. The picture she's looking at is a JPEG of Max Faraday in a pizza delivery uniform. So I'm surmising that at the beginning of this whole thing, he was a regular pizza delivery guy. And he got these amazing powers. And he went, he's like Peter Parker. He went from being a regular normal schlub to just a, you know, a super power, powerful being. I have a feeling that taint, so they said, okay, we're going to go out in style. We're going to make him have these powers, become Phoenix, and have to die, just like Jean Grey. Oh, this is a great storyline. I wonder why. They, you know, they didn't even probably say, like, Jean Grey or Phoenix. They probably said, this is, wow, this is a great way to end it. He has these powers, and his girlfriend has to uh, kill him, but he makes the ultimate sacrifice. That's so awesome that I came up with that. Jeff Loeb thought to himself, I wonder where. I, I, I wonder why that sounds for, so familiar to me. Not realizing he ripped off the X Men. Of course, he 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 had to realize he ripped off X Men since he wrote the X Men comic book. Fuck this guy. Anyway, here's the epilogue. She's looking at a JPEG of her boyfriend. He winks at her in there, so he's still alive. He's so powerful. He was able to put his essence inside her computer. And her friends, you know, there's some kind of call or alarm, so her friends come to her co-workers come to get her they're like where is she you know we need her we got we got to go they go to her office she's not in there but they see on the computer screen she's there in the computer with her boyfriend to me that's a ripoff of well that's not a ripoff but it just remind me of remember um i think his name is pike remember captain pike pike from star trek the guy who's in the first <laughs> episode and he got axed and they got William Shatner to play Kirk um, but anyway you know what happened they fucked Pike up and I think the, the the first episode was called The Cage and they repackaged that 
in, in a two-part episode of Star Trek called The Madnagerie or something like that, in which Pike, uh, which is all fucked up beyond recognition. I don't think his name is Pike, whatever his name is. You know who I'm talking about. He's in a wheelchair, but he can't talk. He, they just fucked him up. And at the end of the um, end of the episode, he goes off with these aliens who, even though his body is decimated, they they create a fake reality for him, and we can see him walking off uh, with this female <laughs> this female uh, alien, and he's his body is whole again, but it's all an illusion. But he's going to live the rest of his life in that illusion. That's what this reminds me of. They look in the computer screen, and they both where the fuck are they going to go? In computer world. Well I guess they can create any reality. That's what this reminds me. Fuck this comic book. Next comic book. Captain America. Okay. An original story. A horrible, horrible, horrible original story. Written by Boo Baker. This is why this is abhorrent. It opens up with Captain America in Washington. Trying to stop mobs of people. Okay. Of course he can't stop all those people. So he has to retreat. And so he looks like a little punk ass bitch, and supposedly that's a that's a issue for him. How he, you know, how he wasn't able to stop thousands of people. There, people across the country are rioting. Um, the gun, and I check this out. This is what it says. This is what happened to the people. Hydra or somebody sent some kind of signal or something over the airwaves through this uh, network called MNN, rallying up the people. And the people become unruly. There's riots. But there's also, it says, whatever is happening is playing on both sides of the fears and belief systems of those affected, fueling them to their out of control. So we have more than one report of clinics and hospitals being seized by those demanding free health care for everyone. And then on the other side, there are gun nuts on the street passing out weapons to anyone who will take one. I'm going to smack the shit out of Brew Baker. Brew Baker is not a fucking genius. All y'all who say he is, fuck you. He was, he was gliding on fumes. Or that's what my grandmother used to call it. Like, when I have a quarter tank of gas. And she said, boy, you better get some gas. I'm like, there's a quarter tank in here. Let me drop you off. There's a gas station. No, you need to stop right now. At the next gas station you see, boy, you riding on fumes. Like, <laughs> you riding on fumes. Y'all like to ride on fumes, don't y'all? You feel that gas tank? It's a quarter tank. Anyway, riding on fumes, that's not... That's what he was... He's, he got some remnants of a story, and he's, that's what he does in his issues. This is totally forgettable. This is... I hate comic books that do that base shit. Oh, because this is in 2012. It's written. It's like, oh, all these people arguing with Obama and Mitt Romney, Romney arguing that they want health care. Then you're on the other side, you got the gun nuts. They're both nuts. They're both nuts. It's like, fuck you. No. That's the same thing with the thing on, oh, both white people and black people can be equally racist and hurt each other. No, motherfucker. Uh, whites have the, the, the advantage. Okay, when it comes to the racism thing, uh, black people are Gary Coleman, White people are uh, Triple H and Gary Coleman and Triple H are about to arm wrestle. That's racism in this country. That's that's how the battle goes with that. Uh, 
Gary Coleman can talk shit all he wants to, but uh, in the end of the day, uh, Triple H is not going to let him get anywhere. And he's going to put his foot down on Gary Coleman's chest <laughs> and just and just leaves it on there. And Gary Coleman's not going anywhere. Okay, he's dead now. I know he's really not going anywhere. But hey, that's this that's the smallest example I could use at the moment. Let's pretend like he was alive. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in this here, they're saying the liberals and the and the conservatives are the same. They want they got the gun nuts on one side. The people with their free health care on that. No, national health care is reasonable. Okay, <laughs> passing out guns on the street isn't reasonable. Even though I'm in favor of the Second Amendment, and this week, this week everybody's complaining. Oh, it's such a bad week. The week that I'm recording this, because okay, it, well, first of all, no, no, it is a horrible week. It was a horrible week. Um, first, there was a bombing in Boston, Boston Marathon. A terrorist set off two bombs, and people, three people were killed, uh, over a hundred people injured and maimed for the rest of their life. They're hanging on to their life in the hospital. Then there was an uh, explosion in West Texas at a fertilizer factory uh, near is near Waco. They had um, all the uh, homes and nursing homes and all the, all the, you know, all the things you need in a small town city. They were all packed in next to the fertilizer factory. Good job, West Texas. Anyway, it blew up. Oh, the last time that place was inspected, 2006. Nice work. Anyway, the factory blew up, uh, killing. Confirmed 12 people dead. We don't know. They don't know. There may. There probably more dead. Which that sound is so small. I don't see how you can't tally up the figures that quick. Yes, that was a. That's. It's a horrible week. And it's a horrible week for me because hey, I may be. Getting kicked out of my apartment, I'm 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 running out of money, I'm fucked up. So that's personal. But they also say what makes it a bad week is that um, there was a bill that was proposed by the president, and supposedly ninety percent of the nation wanted it passed, and that is gun. I mean restrictions and who can buy guns, like the mentally ill and people who have a criminal record can't buy guns, and which I don't think you could do. Already, they already have background checks. I'm not. They say you. They need to take that off the list when they say it's a bad week. Fuck that. So what? Okay. The if the gun restriction is not going to was not going to change what happened in, in a rural Colorado movie sh- theater shooting. It was not going to happen. Change what happened in Newtown, Massachusetts, and it wasn't. Damn sure ain't going to change what happened in all the inner cities with all the gun killings and shooting there. That wasn't going to do anything. Uh, so anyway. And people claim this unreasonable. No. It's reasonable for them to nip it in the bud and kick it to the curb. I don't believe 90% of the people wanted you know, wanted those bills. If those bills would have passed, there would have been another shooting, school shooting or you know, just another sh- uh, mass shooting. Then the anti-gun people would have been like, okay, we got to step this up now. Let's, now let's ban these since it didn't work, since our gun restrictions didn't work, our gun you know, restricting who can buy guns. That didn't work, so we got to go to the next level. And when that doesn't work, they're going to go to the next level. So I don't blame the the pro-gun lobby people, even though I can't be really be on their side because they sound like idiots when they plead their case. And I'm sorry I didn't talk about this. I haven't been talking about this 
Captain America comic is because this comic is so damn bland. Captain America is a non-factor in this motherfucking comic. He's getting hit on by Diamondback. And he's like got no personality. He's like a block of wood. He has a conversation with Diamondback. A conversation with Falcon. So boring. Sharon uh, Carter... She's the one having an adventure going off on a, to a space station with Dumb Dumb Dugan to fight Baron Zemo, and it's very horribly done. Okay, she basically, basically she has two red shirts with her. Her and the two red shirt shield agents go off, and Baron Zemo dispatches of them quickly with a sword. Uh, I hate storytelling like that. And then, of course, he leaves Sharon alive so he could beat her up in there. He's kicking her ass in, in a fist fight. You know, I mean, in a you know, hand-to-hand combat, or I should say foot-to-face combat, because he's whipping her ass. And somehow, Captain America, he he's trying to sneak up on a Hydra base. Hydra's base is like the helicarrier. It's floating in the air. And um, Captain America and a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are flying towards it in these helicopters, these, like, Tomahawk helicopters, whatever. And, his, and, the, and the Hydra agents come out to face them, and they said, oh, it looks like we lost the element of surprise. Bitch, you're driving, you're, fly, I'm sorry, you're flying three helicopters toward the, the Hydra floating air base. Uh, don't you think they got one radar, two eyes? They look out the window and see y'all coming. Oh, my God. That was such stupid storytelling. And it ends kind of on that quote-unquote cliffhanger. I have no complaints, okay, about the art. Who did this damn art? Whoever did it, did a good job. Uh, Scott Eaton. Good job, Mr. Eaton. Um, Ed Brubaker and Colin, Colin Bunn. And Bunn is, you know, he's rising star. Um, I don't know why he's a rising star. Because this story sucks. And I think I read something else by him that was not, you know, everything I read by him is forgettable too. This horrible writing. Captain America number 17 is a generic piece of bread. A dried up generic piece of bread. Not stale. Actually, yeah, it is getting stale. Oh, I see some mold on it. Yeah, it's a stale piece of generic bread. Fuck it. This has been whatever it's been. It's been (laughs) poop sandwich. Thanks for joining me. Uh... Yeah, that's how these issues, these episodes are going to be. I'm just going to ramble on. I shouldn't ramble, say ramble on. I'm just going to review the comic books. May talk about an issue or two. I mean, a social issue or two, or you know, a piece of news, or give my opinion on something. And that's that's it. Not concerned about time constraints. So go to Doomcast.blogspot.com. Go to PodcastX.blogspot.com. Download shows. Have fun. I'm out. Peace.